Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. Welcome along to the Hurling Show. Cheddar and Brian are with me here as usual on a Monday. There's only one place to start, lads, and that is Carlo's result against Galway. So we have the Carlo rising in the football, the hashtag. I call them the noisy neighbours, Cheddar. Um, they seem to be making a lot of noise in there. And now we have the, the hurlers, who arguably are outperforming the footballers. We know their footballers have got into Division 3 and it's fantastic for Carlo. But their hurlers have been making incredible progress. You were talking about Christy Ring winners in 2017, Joe McDonough Cup winners last year, and promotion to Division 1B. And not only have they made all those steps... They performed really well against Dublin. Now they've drawn with Galway. Now, like there, you know, there's teams in one B like Leash trying to maybe draw with a big team like that and getting close. This is a huge step up for Carlo um, Cheddar. Yeah, no, it is Woolly. Um, and I suppose just considering you know the base that they're coming from, I mean, the four senior clubs in Carlo. Um, like that's uh, unbelievable, isn't it? Y- yes, it is, and it defies, I suppose, you know, a lot of the things that we would hold that you know you need a, a, a serious depth of talent in that. Um, um, you know, now having said that, you know, there are clubs seeing it might be small in numbers, but there's decent quality in it. Mount Leinster Rangers went to an All Ireland club final, um, and you know, probably you know, it, it, that was a really, really important probably because it probably gave them the belief that they're able to play hurling at this level. And there's a lot of Mount Leinster Rangers still involved in the team, but. It 
is it's an incredible achievement and you know I've talked up Carlo here a lot last year and earlier on this year in the last show in particular um, that there's a cohesion about your team at the minute and uh, method at play about him at, that, at the minute that's certainly the best I've ever seen Carlo play um, but they also have some real quality players like you know this this is not just sort of flash in the pan they've done well at under 21 and focused probably under 21 rather than minors in the last couple of years and have had good some good results and some good results against these teams at under 21 level and have some players that are that are playing um, Fitzgibbon Cup particularly with IT Carlo over the last couple of years have been some of their better players the likes of James Dial and Marty Kavanagh so look and this hasn't just come from nowhere it's not just uh, as a, a, a fellow down in Leash said one time it's not just like a mushroom coming up overnight um, they have been they have been playing well in, in the last couple of years and certainly um, Bonner going in there has, has you know brought it on a lot but you know, I'd obviously urge some caution about that as well. We've seen this before in you know mid-tier counties or lower-tier counties, and not doing a disservice to anyone because at least we're probably in the same area, um, where a quality panel comes together at a particular time, and they get a number of performances, and they get a lot of momentum, and they get you know they get the the public in the county behind them. I suppose the critical thing at this stage is um, how can that be sustained? How can they grow the game? Um, you know, one particular area that needs to be focused on is Carlow Town. I don't think any either either clubs in Carlow at the minute. Um, I don't think Carlow Town are seen or hinter intermediate at the minute. Um, so you know, d- 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 this is what I've been constantly preaching that when a county works hard to develop the game within their county and they're really, really, you know, working at at, at on the ground. That's the time to, for the GA to come in behind that county and really look at, you know, where are the areas that we can ensure that the momentum that we've gained at the minute, first of all, that we can maintain it, but that we can actually drive it further. Um, and I think that's where, you know, Carlo need to be looking at the minute. Where can we drive this on? You know, four clubs, even though it's been great at the minute, it will not sustain this over a number of years. And we've seen a, a little bit of this before. Just on the immediate uh, of it, Woolley, they've got a pint from yesterday's game. It, it's going to be hugely important to them. They're it playing. Is. They're favourites for the quarters now, really. They, aren't they? they are. They're playing least at home and they're playing awfully at home. Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're playing both of those at at, at home. Um, if that pint could put, will definitely put them into a quarter final if they get four pints from that. And they're probably in the driving seat for for that. And I know myself, they're quite difficult to break down in 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 Carlow. They're quite difficult to beat there. Um, so if that was the case, it would put them in a fantastic uh, um, position to get into a quarter final, and that's critical preparation for them playing in the Leinster uh, Senior Hurling Championship this year so I think they're in a great great place and deserve you know huge credit for where they've got themselves They absolutely do um, Brian and Colin Bonner said after the game he says normally when you're underdogs like that and you put up a decent performance in the first half the bigger teams can steamroll you a bit but I was very proud of Ireland the way we hung in there and I thought we threatened even more in the second half like that's very obvious how many times have we seen the weaker teams put in a good shift in the first half only to be blown away in the last 15 minutes but Carlo actually stuck right in there came back level and stuck with Galway point for point look we know it's not Galway's first team but they had enough um, good players on it. I, I don't think this achievement can ever be underestimated. Like we're not talking about Carlo becoming a coming force, but they're absolutely an example that should be held up to the likes of, of the Leash and the Offalies and every county that is kind of feeling sorry for themselves. Oh, definitely. And you know, I'm very impressed with Colin Bonner, but he's been on the scene for a while now, probably. Um, with the likes of WIT in particular huge regard all these players had for him um, a good few of boys from around home now hurling WIT and they loved him and you can just see he's brought that enthusiasm and that steel and that 
real kind of defiance to Carla Horan, and that's what I probably admire most about him at the moment. Um, you know, when you listen to Colm talk as well, he's very astute. After the Dublin game in particular, he, he acknowledged that, OK, Dublin got the result in the end, but that Carlo were enjoying what they were doing and they were going to learn from it, which, which was the key thing. Sometimes listening to the messages of managers can be really, really, uh, you know, beneficial from, from someone looking at it from the outside. He never talks about the mountain of work that Carlo has to do. He acknowledges that there is work to do and they have to learn, but it never then seems like it's it's... You know, it's Everest that the players have to climb. It's always attainable, right. and if they continue on this path, that it can be done. And that's, you know, that's a very important message. Um, you know, how many times have we heard managers come out with that? You know, or the amount of work we've done, the amount of training we've done to get up yeah. to the level. And players are going, "I'm already training for four months. Like, you know, how, how do you want me to go up this level? <laughs> you know, like so, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So I'm very impressed with Colin to start, but. You know, these boys are serious and they've a lovely mixture of youth and experience. And that's why I, I, I really, really think they're going to go well. I think, look, they're going to get to the quarterfinal of the leagues, being honest. I think they're in the driving seat in terms of home advantage against Leash and Offaly. Um, I think, look, Leash and Offaly need to get their own houses in order, but they're up against it coming in against this Carroll team. The likes of, you know, Marty Kavanagh, Super, super player, and then you see Chris Nolan only come in off the bench. Like he's as good a forward as around. He came on yesterday and scored two points. And you know that Mount Leinster Rangers team is the backbone of that Carlow team as well. And we played them in the club earlier in the year, and that was the toughest game. You know we played almost all year. It, you know they, them boys, they're tough men. They're very fit, and you know they're all well able to hurl. So you know, kudos to them, and uh, you know, and you have to you have to tip your hat. Yeah, no, you definitely do. Just on that chatter there before you come in, um, manager just say we've an awful lot of work to do. It's just a soundbite. Nobody really, like, I mean, I, that's a good point Brian made. Like, loads of managers are always saying, geez, we've an awful lot of work to do. And the players might be thinking, geez, I thought we did an awful lot of work there for a few months. But I think managers just say that just to... I don't know. Uh, what, uh, like, it, it, they're it all may, saying to say it. They all say it, though, don't they? After matches that uh, you lose, it, we have a lot of work to do. It, it may be um, bully, and I suppose you know managers use the the cliche that there's a big challenge ahead of us and all of that as <laughs> yeah, well. It's a cliche. Um, and uh, you know, look, you've got to think that from the manager's viewpoint as well. He's probably going to conduct the top managers I'm talking about here probably 10 or 15 is these very same in- interviews with the very same type of questions being asked of them um, so you know it's handy enough to rattle off those and, and um, uh, but I, I think what Brian said is really really important here the, 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 the critical people are always the people in the dressing room and your players and the message that you're giving them you, you've, if you're setting them a goal um, you've got that goal has got to be realistic and it's got to be attainable and you know the message that you're giving your players is hugely important everything you say is hugely important and I fully agree with Brian um, you know the way Colm han- handles this there's one other aspect that that's probably we haven't mentioned here Carlow are a dual county so they're sharing the resources across hurling and football um, and doing very well with both of them at the minute and you know deserve a huge amount of credit and one final point I'd say that has got a little bit lost here in the I suppose the euphoria about Carlo is Galway uh, Galway appear certainly in their game against Leeds and against Carlo to be putting out um, I wouldn't call it the second team but certainly they're putting an awful lot of emphasis on a lot of players being given an opportunity to put their hand up to try and put pressure on the first 15 it may very well be injury uh, driven I don't know that uh, but sometimes 
you know, I suppose there's a question to be asked there. Is it better to maybe have the Brian Cody version of that where you're going to play maybe 13 or 14 of your regulars and put in two or three in each game and, you know, give them a decent chance to blend in and maybe, or to do like what, say, Galway are doing at the minute, putting in an awful lot of players, um, in particularly in these two games and, and, um, and you know, seeing what players have or, you know, have the ability to be able to step up to play at this level. Um, it's an, it'd be an interesting conversation is all I'll say. No, and that is a very good point because we talked about this in the football show, Brian, is this idea of lads getting their chance and too many of them getting their chance and they all out to impress themselves and they don't play as a team. Whereas if you got two or three in with the regular fellas who, you know, are very comfortable in their own positions, these fellas getting a trial game with the senior team have a much better chance of playing well rather than playing with maybe 12 other fellas all desperate to play well themselves rather than fit into a team. Yeah, definitely. I don't think you can ever change more than one in any line. Um, you know, and even at that, that's that's potentially five changes. I wouldn't even go so far. Definitely four is enough. Um, and you have to be fair to the player that's trying to break through as well. And I think Cheddar made a yeah. very valid point there. You know, if you're trying to, say, break in their corner back and next minute you have an inexperienced full-back beside you as well and maybe an inexperienced wing-back out, outside you, you know, like that's a totally different ball game than... than Say if if you're if you're looking at Galway there at the moment, say that that McInerney at centre back, Aidan Hart in front of him, and, and whoever's playing at full back, whoever they choose at the time, you know Adrian Tuohy or whoever. So it, it's a totally different ball game when you have those experienced players around you, and you might be able to show your manager, look, I'm well able for this when when we're all together here. But you know when you're trying to to maybe you know hurl with all this inexperience in around you, it, it's a tough tough game. Galway clearly are trying to find a few players. Um, you know they know themselves particularly in their back line I thought they had very few options last year um, and up front they're, they're probably un- unsure of of a couple of players you know the likes of Jason Flynn and, and, and Niall Burke haven't really cemented their place but the likes of these games now won't have done them any good being honest um, Carlo and Leach I don't think they were wonderful performances um, but look yes, yeah, I suppose you have to excuse them to some extent that they, that they, that they have what I think they three or four out against Leach and at six starting then yesterday against Carlo. Right, okay. Come here, I'll throw this one to you, Brian. So this is on the, the team of Carlo. So after they lost to Limerick last year, James Hickey, so we know James Hickey from the AIB ad. I've drawn attention to him a good few times with this ad that was on so many times on television. I grew to hate James Hickey. But anyways, he said after, and I'm sure you know exactly what he said after the Limerick game. He says, Carlo are 10 points better than Offaly and I've no problem in saying that. So maybe Carlo people have known about this team all along and that's why he was so bullish that day. Yeah, legend as he calls himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, uh, look, he's entitled to his opinion. Um, you know, that's not my way of doing things or, or I'm, I'm not in for that sort of stuff. But look, uh, sure, we'll see later on in the year. I think I think uh, Offaly will have it all to do in fairness to him, but 10 points is comprehensive. And look, we won't know that's the championship, I suppose, which is the real... Um, heat of battle that's that's a pity look that's a discussion for another day but uh, you know the fact that we've so many counties you know from Leinster not even allowed to play in Leinster so um, anyway look he's entitled to his opinion I'd I'd love to see it in, in May or June in the white heat of battle what would happen because the last time you know Offaly did beat them in championships so that's all I'll say OK you've answered that very politically well done I threw that at you there um, quickly there there's some great videos doing the rounds on Twitter um, Cheddar about Limerick and were warming down with the fans so the fans invaded the pitch and Limerick still had to do their warm down 
Now, the video I saw, there was a lot of subs, so maybe they were doing some training or whatever. But anyways, so the little boys and girls were running up and down from the end line to the 45 with the team. And it's just absolutely fantastic. We know about these halftime pitch um, kind of policies that every county grounds has now where the children can just go out and play and then the buzzer goes and they all run back in and it's all very orderly and it's perfect. And I would have loved it back in my day. I brought the young lad out onto the pitch one day and sure he's not even two and he was kicking balls into the course. It's just fantastic. But I hadn't seen the play the, the children stay around to take part in the warm down and that's really GEA. Like all fellas who are involved in the community, no superstars, the children can get out and warm down with them and that's fantastic to see. There's a real feel good factor around Limerick and for obvious reasons I know and teams we used to do that Willie actually with the hurling um, we would deliberately do that um, you know it's, it's, it's supposed it's buying into your culture and it's you know getting everybody on board and that but um, just on a it, it, it was really interesting because because what you've described is what happens um, I mean there's particular technical technical things you do in a cool down and all of that as you know but to see you know maybe a three year old or a four year old trying to do the same thing and, and copy what the county players were doing I tell you it was quite funny at times but um, look it's a good thing it's a really good thing to do you've got to be looking at absolutely everything about your team you know how can you gain an edge how can you get gain support behind you um, and all of do, these little things you know there's a hundred small little things that are really really important and I'm not surprised that that uh, Limerick management are looking and John Coyley's looking at all of those things because his management of the team to date suggests that he manages all the minute very well. Yeah, he manages it really well. There was only 8,559 at the match. I thought that was a very low crowd. It was their first home game um, in Division 1 since 2009. But like, I mean, it was a freezing cold night or whatever. So maybe the conditions were great. But John Kiley, talking about manager comments, Brian, and you were thinking about them, talking about playing down his team. He's playing a blinder here. All he keeps talking about. So this was the same um, as last week. So he says, I was very happy with the application, the work rate, even though we got outworked in the first half. He's constantly talking application, work rate, application, work rate. There is no talk of Limerick taking over. There's no talk about the brilliance of their system. There's no talk. He's just keep it he keeps bringing it back to work rate and application which I'm sure is the message they're constantly telling him in training as well Yeah really impressive and last year in particular I don't think they got enough credit um, they were, if you looked back at the matches that were run over um, an RT over the over the Christmas um, you know it was great for you and, but to actually acknowledge how good Limerick were and particularly um, in, in coming down the home stretches of games you know against Kilkenny when, when Richie Hogan scored that goal obviously the same against Cork and, and then in the All-Ireland I know Galway threw the kitchen sink at them but they're still their game management in late stages of games was hugely impressive so you know Kylie's really really good and he's really grounded and there was a brilliant article um, with him a couple of weeks ago where he, he talked about his um, speech to the players on the bus home um, after Dal Ireland, and it was, it was sorry, it was between between Crow Park and actually going to the hotel. So it was, he was really hitting home the importance of like this is the last time we could all be together and setting the message home about you're all Ireland winners now, but that brings a whole new onus on you as players and, and the, the importance of carrying themselves right. And you know he was very very supportive of him, and I think it comes back from probably being primarily he's a school teacher, so he sees that holistic development of his players. It's very very important. So that constant message is there, and that kind of almost father figure there. Yeah. Um, it, it's constantly there, so you can listen to what you're saying. You know, in terms of the message with the hurling, 
you know, it's it's very simple, but it's very grounded. I think that's the, the key point I'm trying to get across here, that it's not about the silky skills and, and, and the passing, which obviously they have in abundance. It's actually in a back-to-back tax and bringing it back to that work rate. But look, isn't that what essentially all good managers do when they want to sustain teams at the top level? Like, you know, just looking at Cody and, and, and Gavin as well in Dublin, that's the constant message. It's, it's, it's about the team ethic and the work rate and first and foremost and that that's that's essentially the key thing and and everything else obviously you have to have good players and those individual traits do shine through but it comes back to that work rate and there was one prime example the other night was when um young Boylan that was making his debut um caused Park Maher to get uh, done for over over carrying for step and three or four that the more established players came in patting him on the back and I thought that spoke volumes at the time because it wasn't just a case of, you know, this young lad, uh, he's not part of our 15. This was like, he's performing, he's part of it. Yeah. Yeah, he's boiling. How many, how many fellas at inter-county level have Napiersik? <laughs> he's another Napiersik player. Every one of their forward line is nearly, is nearly uh, at, at inter-county level. Did you want to come in there, Cheddar? No, I was just going to comment on Brian there talking up the teaching profession there. <laughs> um, but Brian, I've, I fully agree with you and all of the sports psychologists. I mean, Limerick have a sports psychologist as well. That, that's the message. That, that's what they actually, that's the important role they play within the management team. They make sure everybody's on the right message the whole time. And, you know, if you read all the literature and there's a huge amount of science behind all of this, the, the message, even your body language, is really, really important. Now, bear in mind, Limerick are a very, very young team that have had some success already. And it would be very easy to go, you know, a little bit awry here and maybe not get back on track to be able to perform again the following year. Um, so uh, all, exactly what Brian has, has described is, a, is exactly the message that you need to be given. Um, it's not about the result. It's not about, um, you know, the, the things you're going to get out of this. It's about, I suppose the work rate that you had to put in to achieve something and it's always focusing on that and the minute you take your mind off of that well then you're, you're going to lose your success Okay I'm going to go to you with this pitching cork here um, Brian Tomas Mulcahy was on Radio 1 saying there's no excuse for it um, we know that the costs of Parky Creeve have spiralled from 86 million to 110 million it's going to the latest forecasts were uh, Peter McKenna said that the pitch will have to be replaced. This was before Christmas. The surface is very unstable, as you may have seen earlier in the year. So we'll have to do some fairly aggressive remedial work there. I think it should be start. I think it should have started earlier, and we may not have time to get it done because of winter weather. And then just after those comments before Christmas, the stadium, the board that uh, board of directors that run the stadium said remedial work will take place on the playing surface to ensure that it, w- it will be capable of hosting games fixed for Parky Keeve in 2019. So we're a month into 2019. They played a football match before the hurling match, which doesn't make sense because it would cut up the ground even more. And y- you can play football easier than you can play hurling, I'm sure, on a pitch like that. But then again, Cork hurlers are the much bigger draw. So would you embarrass them by putting them on in front of the football? It's just a total mess, Brian. Oh, it's a farce. That that pitch is just a joke. And it has been from day one. Yeah. Because it was at the very first game between Tip and Clare in the All-Ireland quarterfinal a couple of years ago. And the surface was just so dead. The ball, you know, it was the middle of summer. It was July, I think it was. And usually you're just so used to the ball hitting the surface, bouncing up into your hand. And the minute it hit the surface, it just died. And it was, it, was, it caught out a lot of players that same day. So since day one, it's been a mess. It looks... Look, I'm no expert on fields, but it looks like it's really compacted and really hard underneath. But then up near the surface, it just seems to just completely give way. 
it was a joke to look at yesterday now. And, you know, fair play to the players. I know they had no choice but to get on with it. And Davy Fitz did speak about that from his message to his players with that, look, whatever it is, deal with it. But, you know, the players did did do their best. But the amount of times the legs went straight from under them, just running and couldn't rise the ball. It was just, it's, it's just horrible. And... I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do in the short term. It's going to probably have to be closed again for a significant period of time. And I, I don't even know if they can host any more home games. The pitch is that bad at the moment. I don't think so. And ironically, it couldn't suit Cork's style of play any worse, Cheddar. Um, it, 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 no, that's true. Um, but I'm, I'm just wondering a little bit about that pitch. You know, I I actually was at the last game there, the Munster final between Limerick and Cork, and I actually walked across the field, and the pitch was in immaculate condition at that stage. Um, and I thought they didn't do anything with the pitch. I thought they were just going to. Um, it's meant to settle after a while. Was well, the, well, what they were well, saying? Well, I thought it? I thought actually well, they didn't do anything with it. But well, they didn't. That's the original pitch. I, I, I thought yeah. it was the original pitch. And if it is, that's a, that's a different matter. Now, if it has been refurbished at great expense by some of these, you know, big commercial concerns, well, I'd certainly be speaking to my lawyers this morning about that. Um, but the, the other issue about Parky Keeve, and I'm, I, some of the Cork listeners might correct this, um, I think the actual pitch is under the water table when the tide comes in in the lee, which, as everybody knows, is right beside the pitch. So there's probably going to be a bit of a problem anyway. How do you keep the water table right for the pitch? And I'd say the issue there is probably a much bigger issue than than, you know, maybe people people think. I do remember, Brian, the old pitch that was there and strangely enough, I think it was actually the, the stand side and in the wintertime, bear in mind a number of years ago, league matches were played in, in the late part of the year as well as in the spring and the pitch on, on that side of the field was, would have been very, very wet um, whereas in the summertime, obviously, it was very, very different. So I, I think if it has been refurbished, you know, at great expense, um, well then that's a serious issue because, you know, we're not an amateur organisation anymore. We pay huge money for these commercial organisations to come in, uh, you know, based on their expertise and their experience to provide a pitch that players can play on and, and if that's the case, then yesterday wasn't good enough if the decision was made not to refurbish the pitch to save on funds or whatever for, for whatever reason well then I think that's a little bit different and you would look at it in a different way one way or the other it's going to take a huge amount of work to get that right and just one final point on that if you come back to Croke Park at the start you know Croke Park was very messy when it started before yeah. it got itself right as well that was the thing that was the kind of point about the pitch settling down but I, it's in my head that that's the original pitch I'm, I'm, I might be wrong on that but it, just two yellow card offences here lads quickly before we move on to part two Connor Cleary got a yellow card yesterday for a foul on is it Peter Kelly or Kelly the full forward and it was no more a foul like I mean Kelly leaned back into him and just fell back it was almost like a centre forward in soccer would lean into a centre back and fall backwards looking for the for the free Brian and we I'm talking on the football show, show a lot about simulation coming into football and getting lads black cards because you know if you go to ground you know they might get the black card and players aren't stupid they're they're evolving to start maybe simulating and it's a, it's a terrible thing to come into the game I'm just wondering like I don't think of too many examples in hurling but is it something maybe that could potentially creep in because that was absolutely playing for the free and getting your man a yellow card which should never have been a yellow card anyways yeah. Now, I watched the game and Conor Cleary got a yellow card for persistent fouling um, for starters. And if you watch him, and he won't like me saying this, but the amount of off the ball pulling and dragging that Conor Cleary does is unbelievable. And if you go back, because it was actually caught my eye early in the game, he was marking John Elward, and the amount of times they were tangling off the ball is, is unbelievable. He, in, if he can't go up under a high ball, 
he'll just wrap his arms around the player he's marking. He won't let them anywhere near it. So if you actually watch him, he mightn't appreciate me saying this now, but he's he is he is a down to a fine art. This holding the man off uh, off the ball to making sure they can't get anywhere near it. So okay, that's why he, and he got pulled for a few fouls. So he got yellow card not for that. In terms of it was Kevin Kelly actually a full forward. Yeah. Kevin Kelly. He just fell over. It looked like. But see, you just don't know what happened. You see, we're 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 only we're we can't see because obviously you're only watching the ball and the flight of the ball coming in. He could have been pulling and dragging out him just before it, and then the last thing obviously he fell over harmless enough. So I'd say there was there was no smoke without fire there. Being honest, um, from having from having watched it um, quite closely as the game progressed. So uh, yeah, the Jarrell I seen at one stage turn turn Cleary upside down off the ball as well because he was getting rightly sick of it. So um, <laughs> it was a, it was a right battle, being honest. So uh, yeah, no look, simulation in hurling. Uh, I think look, you'll always have any you know with the hurling Breton, we don't like to miss anything like that. But look, there'll always be individuals will do silly things like that. You know what I mean? Go down clutching their face when there's nothing wrong with them, and it's often happened to me. You know. Um, that hits you a dig, you hit him a dig back, and next one he's lying on the ground, falling around the place. So you're going, you know, seriously, like that's not tough, that's not manly. Um, so you'll always have that. I think that'll be in any sport or any game. But no, I don't think there's any real immediate worry about that for creeping into the game. Yeah, okay, great stuff. I didn't think there was a worry, but that's very interesting about Connor Cleary. Like, I mean, if he was all over him and then just let's go as the ball's coming. It looks to me like, you know, Kevin Kelly's just kind of fallen backwards. But what about the Tim O'Mahony yellow cheddar? Did you see this one? This was uh, this was a fairly big hit now, and this was only a yellow. So, like, League Sunday last night thought both uh, Brennan Cummins and Ken McGrath thought this was a red. It looked very, very, very dangerous. Um, look, they're hard to call, I suppose. Yes, I did see it, Willie. Um, you know, did his momentum carry him into the tackle? I sort of thought it did. Um and uh, like I sort of look at these things, um, and you probably see this a little bit better when you're actually at the game, and you know you get you get just one look at it on television. Um, you know, was there was it malicious? Did he mean to go out and and lamp the man? I, in this instance, it's just they didn't think he did. Um, it certainly was a you know a fair hit and and that. Um, well, he made up his mind. He was taking him out. Now, whether he meant uh, to take uh, him uh, out, uh, yeah, uh, as a centre back, sometimes will. I know. I don't we'll know. Actually, do. Willie, I'll disagree with you on this one because the player had lost the ball. The the ball had dribbled in uh, um, ahead of him. It's not that he had the ball in his hand and he took him out of it. Um, I thought his momentum into the breaking ball. He had the ball. He had lost the ball at the time. Had carried him through I just didn't think it was malicious enough that he that he wanted to take him over to be honest with you in that okay. one but look these we spoke about this last week these are very very fine calls and look I have that view Brian may have a different view and you might have a different view and certainly then the, the referee is entitled to have a different view and he's making that in real time in very very short time and I think um, I, you know, I said this last week, Willie. I think we've got to leave it to the referees to make those judgment calls because I can guarantee you, if you, it, this is like, God forbid, I had an accident and you you have ten witnesses, and I can guarantee you, you have ten witnesses, but that's all ten different things. Yeah. Uh, so leave it to the referees and uh, you know respect their their decisions that they have made and just move on with it. Well, may, maybe just on that, Brian, is the consistency thing that if Tony Kelly gets a red, you hear it's a directive, um, you know, and then you see that which looked, it was worse than Tony Kelly's and I think we'd all agree on that, whether it was a red or not is another story. Then you have players going, what the hell is going on here? Is is a high tackle a red or is it not? That's probably the problem players have. Yeah, and there was another one earlier in the game, Daniel Kearney, a small man, ran into one of the extra players as well, head on, almost carbon copy of the Tony Kelly, Kelly one and it was a yellow card and rightly so on a yellow card 
I think the Tim O'Matney one, who had a fantastic game at centre back, by the way, they could have, they could be after solving one of their major problems there. Thought he was excellent there. I wouldn't have given a red either. You know, look, we're going to make Hurling way too soft if we start going down that road. He went in to hit him a good shoulder. I thought, I think if I'm wrong, it was Jack O'Connor. He was leaning down at the time and he caught him in the head. Look, leave it to referees, call the yellow as far as I can turn. You know, if that's the case, if we're going to go down that road, we're going to have three and four lads sent off. Um, every game we can't start you can't start going that way you know as Cheddar said rightly you know if the referee knows you just know if, if a lad goes in to do someone or not and I don't think he went in to do him I think he went he lined him up to him a good shoulder and just unfortunately he caught him the other way so yellow was more than enough to go back to the inconsistency I think a lot of the play at the moment and comes back to this whole idea the the steps and the the hand pass is another thing they're clearly clamping down on I actually don't mind them clamping down and bought them throughout the league if it actually means that we, we clear clean it up a little bit for the championship. And I know you can say it's it's blowing it up a little bit too much and yes, it's frustrating. But they're right when it comes to the throws. There's too many players just not hand passing the ball properly. And it's actually it's just a habit that's crept in. It's almost a, a little bit of laziness. Um so I actually don't mind them clamping down and just let's try and eradicate it from the game and get back to actually hand-passing properly. And I think if it's a, for a few games in the league and it cuts it out, I think we'll actually have a better spectacle. And, you know, players then obviously will cop on pretty quickly. Do you know what? I better start hand-passing this ball properly and don't be looking at the referee when he blows it with My thing on the hand-passing thing, and this is from a fella who never played, it's the hand-passing throw seems to be an issue now when we have all these lads swarming on one lad and all this intensity and tackle that if they throw up the ball and do a technically correct hand pass, it'll get, you know what I mean? It might, they might lose it, whereas they just, when they're being surrounded by someone, they just throw it out. Yeah, do I don't it, mind. I think like a little bit of leeway there, like referees need to make up throw calls. It's the one where they actually break a tackle and they go to give this really fast uh, hand pass when they've already broken the tackle and they're free. Yeah. And you're going, you know, why didn't you just hand pass that properly? And I agree with the ref pulling those ones because up to now refs have just been letting them go because you know I better not pull this this is a championship it's the white heat of battle I better let this run so it's no harm cutting those ones in particular down um, but the ones in a, in a yeah in a ruck we'll say and there's three or four lads around you and it's very very difficult to actually hand pass and there's someone pulling at your arm as you throw up the ball yeah like a little bit of Little, little bit of there. Um, common sense, yeah, a little bit of common sense. There. I agree with you, Brian. I think I think that last point is really, really important. I mean, coaches are now coaching players to slap the passing hand, um, and if that's the case, well, look, the person in the position is going to take everything he can here to make sure that he gets his pass away. Um, so I think, uh, Brian, you raise a very good uh, other another pointer that's going to be really important. I think the next couple of years, and that is players tangling with um, or holding up other players, particularly if they're a running team. And I think you are going to see an awful lot more of that. You've got to stop the runner from coming off the shoulder to be able to offload a hand pass. And if you look at Clare yesterday and the way Kenny Forwards tackled versus the way Tip tackled, they were very, very, very different. And you raise a really good point there because I think we will see a good bit more of this where defenders will be maybe man-marking a little bit more but will also be, be wrestling with the runners and stopping them from offering um, hand pass options You know, in, in, in situations like that. That's it, lads. You'll have to bring in the black card into hurling then. That's what, It's all ahead of us. Come here, we'll come back and we'll talk, we'll come back and we'll talk about Clare next. And again, yeah. takes on can very, very often then take on a life its own.
what's tactics. I mean, you got to make decisions and you got to decide what you're going to do. And at the end of the day, you hand it over to the players and the players play. You know, the game was fast, was furious, was, it had everything really. You know, and you, know, you, you don't have too much influence on what's happening. What happened last year it goes out the window or the year before or whenever it was. Tipperary, don't go away. The air, the air is the air. And the yeah. game takes on, can very, very often and take on a life of its own. Right, lads, we'll focus on Clare uh, in this section because I thought they played brilliantly yesterday. Like, I mean, there's some unbelievable passages of play, especially in the second half where they, where they pulled away from Kilkenny. Played some lovely hurling cheddar, some lovely support play and layoffs and some lo- fantastic points as well. Yeah, um, they did. No, no they're, they're a very, very difficult team to play, in, play against in Ennis um, and a very, very difficult team to break down there. And their system of play, they just have it refined so so well that when they get into their own pitch, they just seem to click and it works really, really well for them. Um, but you've got, I, I think there's, a couple, there's two things uh, that's really interesting about that game, one for Clare and one for Kilkenny. Um, I'd, I'd say Brian might have liked to have seen his forwards with a better tackling uh, game than they brought to Ennis yesterday and you have got to have that against a, a defence that runs the ball out of the, the defence and if you compare the Kenny tackling and you know, you know you've got to look at this you've got to put in a bit of a health warning here we're only seeing highlights this could have been very very different if you were at the game but if you were to compare the Kenny tackling plan versus the tip plan the, the previous Saturday night in Turles where they swarmed every player player once they got the ball, just stopped that at source and stopped that running out of the defence. Um, so I, I think Clare looked really, really good, um, but that's the basis of their game. They were also seen to be able to find an awful lot of spare men around the middle, uh, whereas, you know, Kilkenny, and Kilkenny struggled a little bit against these type of teams and they struggled in the past maybe playing a sweeper, which is very surprising considering the technical quality in their team. But there just seemed to be a Clare player free around the middle third all of the time to be able to take that pass out. And of course, you're on the platform to be able to distribute. The other interesting thing about Clare is that they have an awful lot of really, really big men up in the forward line now. If, if they were all playing, you would have Ryan, Peter Duggan, John Connellan, that new chap file, Aaron Shanahan, all really, really good catchers. Um, and, you know, maybe it might it it might work better for Clare to deliver a little bit more um, and I'm probably speaking against my own philosophy of hurling here a little bit but considering that the, the personnel that they have it might suit them a little bit to deliver ball quicker and even just throw it in high Gilfile had Cahill Barrett in all sorts of problems in Turles last Saturday night week and Cahill Barrett is a corner back that's his position um, so it's going to be interesting to watch how I suppose Clare evolve um, I think Tip showed how you would actually you know take them on and beat them and you've got to have really really good tackling and you know what would you expect to see in something like that well any ball that's been breaking even around the half back line your full far sprints out the field and they mightn't actually tackle the man with the ball but they're going to tackle all these offloads that Clare work on and you break down that system and then you're sort of neutering the way Clare play and the type of ball that they go into their forward line and I think that was the other thing the comment I suppose I'd, I'd just make about Kilkenny I'd say Brian was very very happy with the display to go down there and, and be right in the mix right at the end um, you know still missing um, a lot of 
you know, you'd probably call them first team players, was, you know, I thought it was a serious indication of where they are. Um, but I'd say he probably would have looked for, um, you know, a much higher tackle count coming out of the forwards and stopped that player game, at, a clear game at source. Yeah, I think that this was a game Clare just had to win, Brian, because obviously, like Cheddar says, Kilkenny are weakened and they had a much stronger team out. But I know John Conlon's goal came off a long ball into Gilfoyle and it broke down to him. And maybe John Conlon doesn't have to be the target of those kind of long balls that he can actually show that he can be smart and sniff out a break as well Yeah uh, I think for a lot of parts of last year they actually mixed up their style pretty well I think um, you know they, they were able to go along on top of John Conlon and obviously they were able to play their running game at, at times and try and get Tony Kelly into the game and but against Galway they really came unstuck last year and particularly the first 20 minutes of the semi final, and it wasn't until they went um, back to a more short game Colin Galvin went to a sweeper role that day that they started to nullify Galway's strengths because um, Galway if, if I remember correctly if they had they'd have clear one-on-one goal chance and I think it was Carl Mannion if I'm mistaken missed a, a, a great opportunity to put them I think 1-7 to a pint up and game would have been over Um so Clare have learned from that, I think, and and they continue to learn from it. They feel they let Galway off the hook last year. That the, if the you know, there's real sense that if they got the All Ireland, they would have beaten Limerick. So they've they've this kind of uh, real belief in in their system at the moment and the players that they have, and they have found a couple of nice players. And you know, trying East scoring burden on John Conlon, I thought he was excellent, a real revelation at, at full forward last year as opposed to being out in the wing. Um, you know, one day he could be man the match, the next day he was he was quiet, but at full forward he was excellent. And then it's 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 the it's conundrum what you do with their other players, probably their their smaller players, like the likes of Podge Collins, real impish sort of a player, excellent touch, um, wins a, a huge amount of hard ball for such a small man. But how do you get the best out of him? The likes of Ian Galvin, another small man, you know, Colin Galvin, something similar, and how do you marry the the two clear uh, distinct distinctive styles that they have? Um, and I, I agree with others. There is no harm in them going route one every so often. Hard to see can Gilfile, you know, he got he had a tough day yesterday on Paul Murphy. Hard to see will he break into the fifteen come the championship? But he, you know, he started off uh, the Munster League very well. He's a big chap. He's young. Um, he's still probably a little bit of learning to do. Uh, the likes of Aaron Chandler, he's mentioned a lot, and obviously he still has to come back. He's very real gung ho, wins the ball and drives forward. Probably not consistent enough in his his contribution to the scoring charts. I think something similar um, to what I was mentioning about Conlon. He can either you know rattle in a, a couple of goals, or or you won't get any return from it all. So a little bit of consistency probably needed from his perspective. So Claire, yeah, certainly. They're moving in the right direction. They really needed to win yesterday. Obviously, they were missing Tony Kelly, but still only beating that Kilkenny team by a point. I don't think management will be overly happy with that. Right, OK. That's a, Cody said that the Clare were very strong in the air. And when you look at uh, Connor Cleary, centre-half back, he caught a lot of ball. Now, Brian has drawn us to our attention of some of his dark arts. I'm going to be looking forward to seeing him the next day. David Fitzgerald is huge. Like, I mean, they've got big men, and we talked about the big men in, in their in their forward line now and you have DC to come on and you have these fellas they are a very big team now obviously they've Reedy and Podge and Colin Galvin who are not big men so like I mean Brian does make a good point as in what what are you you know what system suits the contrasting size of your players 
Yeah, but that's re- and that's really important for Clare just to get that right and get the slickest way of playing that they can. That is going to be a, a challenge for them. But look, isn't it great to have those, um, I suppose, tools at your disposal for that? Because you can certainly play two games, and uh, you could even in even in a half, you could play probably two different game plans to really throw the opposition. Um, out of kilter here. Um, I, I, I again just urge a small little bit of caution about that though, because you know I, I say you know a lot of Kilkenny forwards in particular are very very skillful. I mean, we're fantastic stick men, but may not have the area ability of of a Wally or of of even Richie Hogan, who's not a big man, um, and Colin Fenley and TJ and that. You know, if if those players were back there, would have dominated the air as strong as they did yesterday away from Cusick Park. I'm not so sure. Um, so I'd probably hold counsel on that until it, you know see it tested in different environment the Podge Collins goal was a brilliant goal Brian like I mean Galvin broke forward and then he was true on goals because Kilkenny didn't have an extra kind of man back there then he was fouled and a lot of referees would have blown that up um, played the advantage brilliantly and it was a great finish from Podge yeah uh, yeah good refereeing in fairness let, let it run Paddy Deegan would have taken a black card in the football since you mentioned it um, <laughs> he was certainly intent on trying to stop it I actually think Owen Murphy should have stopped it. Um, yeah, I, I think Podge hit it pretty close to Owen Murphy and someone of Owen Murphy's talents should have stopped it. I think he was really disappointed for himself afterwards. He flicked it into, in. Murphy flicked it into the net as it turns out, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yes. Got a hurly to it. He got a hurly to it and I think he, he'd have been disappointed if he got a hurl to it. I think he, he knows himself like someone of his calibre should have been making sure that that didn't go in. But it was a great move, to be fair. And, um, you know, Colin Galvin Podge, we've seen that last year as well. Tony Kelly set up um, David Reedy for a goal in the Munster final. Um, you know, great, great movement and great running. Um, and they can they can score goals like that at, at speed. So it is marrying, marrying that style, I think, is the key to Clare going forward. But I I actually agree with Heather. Maybe it's 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 the traditional style of hurling type for. I'd, I'd like to see them play a little bit more direct I think they can cause they have the players up front to cause real problems for teams and then bring in a little bit less of the running game obviously it's important at times but um, I think they can be a real force Yeah I think there was one point in the second half it was from Golden and it was a ball in and Podge caught it controlled it brilliantly and just laid it off to a lad running straight past him and it was like, I think it was Golden that was running through straight through over the bar it was remind you of a, a point you'd see in Gaelic football back in the day when we used to kick it in and, and lay it off to someone running past but it's just beautiful to watch Clare when they're in full flow and like I think O'Connor and Maloney deserve a lot of credit here because they do have maybe two game plans now um, with Gilfoyle in there with Pat, with uh, Conlon and we know the running game we know this new game that Limerick play Cheddar and it's brilliant to watch and they'll work it out until they get out of the crowd past the half back line and then it's a beautiful delivery in now when you can throw in the potential of a clearance as well to a big man in there like Gilfoyle Clare are steadily making that progress as far as I'm concerned to really stepping up to be now we know they're all Ireland contenders but like I mean I'd be a lot more positive about Clare winning in All-Ireland than I would have been last year. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would have been after yesterday, um, Wally, but, um, you know, I'd reserve a little bit of judgment. I guess earlier on, I was a little bit afraid they were going to sort of plateau a little bit. Um, and, you know, bear in mind, it's, what, six years now since they won in All-Ireland and, you know, they have tried hard to get back to, to that level again. 
Um, actually, it'll be very interesting. The last game of the league is against Limerick in Cusick Park in Ennis. And, and uh, you know, even though the league may not be as important this year as other years, but it could be at that stage in terms of who you want to meet and where you want to go in terms of the quarterfinals and semifinals and so on. Um, so we might actually see that, you know, how that'll play out on the uh, final day of the league. Yeah, OK, right. Fair enough, lads. We'll come back and we'll do performance of the weekend. Paddy Power performance of the weekend lads and the first one I have up here on my list is Dermot Ryan so I was very impressed with him I think his point where I think it was Ian Galvin gave him a lovely little flick under the stand as he was running past him and this was when Clare were in full flow um, continue on talking about Clare but Dermot Ryan he's crack low he's new he adds another dimension to them Cheddar like I mean I think he's a really looks like a really good find for them Yeah and, and look over the last couple of years Clare um, it just tells you the quality of their club championship and, and the quality of hurling in Clare and you know bear in mind we're talking we're talking about another dual county here um, that they've seemed to have unearthed uh, players like that um, and you know I've spoken before I know Niall DC got a chance last Saturday night and you know may not have actually grabbed it um, so uh, I think they are hugely important because I suppose you've competitiveness in the dressing room um, in terms of actually getting on the team, even in terms of getting on the panel in Clare at the minute. Um, and that's a great place to be in and certainly drives on uh, performance. So Clare have a lot of players like that, that they, you know, they've seemed to be able to just get unearth them and that they step in. Incidentally, a lot of those players would have played a lot at Fitzgibbon level as well, you know, so they've had really, really good grounding and, and, and uh, you know, they've been strong. They won under 21 a couple of years ago on that as well. So it's not that they've come from nowhere. Um, and, you know, when you look at the Clare Club Championship, they've been very, very strong at, at um, All Ireland Club level in that as well. Um, so, I, 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 the, the, the real difficulty with that, though, of course, is to do those type of. They, they may be individually and technically great players, but do they fit into the system of play that you want to play? In other words, that the other 14 are playing. Um, so, they, they may not. And, you know, sometimes you'd be surprised at that. You'd see a player that you know is you know, a superb player um, and he's just not playing with his county. And you ask the reason why. And then you sort of step back and say, well, look, I know the way that the county is playing at the minute. And I'd probably I'd probably struggle to see how he'd fit into that. Uh, but that's, the, I think, you know, Brian has alluded to that. that that's the real, I suppose, challenge that way. It's the, the, the two lads there is to really just get the right game plan that suits your personnel. It's not the other way around. Um, and, you know, they have a number of different types personnel here so you know getting that right is going to be hugely important and obviously once you get it you've got to rehearse it rehearse it rehearse it so much that it becomes second nature to your team that the I suppose the understanding between all players is is just is, is hardwired between all players that you're not you know, that they're not thinking what's going to happen next they know what's going to happen next um, so I think it's it's a challenge for a player um, but you know it's a, it's a one that all managers would like to have to have that number of quality players to be able to tr- change systems or to try 
very different systems. One thing I liked about Dermot Ryan, Brian, is I think it was after his third point, that one from underneath the stand, he turned around when he came back out and he drove a shoulder a few times into Conor Delaney and they ended up butting shoulders. And I was like, this lad has a little bit. I love to see that because that's that bit of divilment that I think sometimes separates um, meekish players maybe to ones that say, look, I've arrived here, you know, up yours, Conor Delaney. Look what I'm, I'm after taking you for three points here. <laughs> is that the bit of Port Leash coming out with you again now, <laughs> I tell you uh, you'd you know you work in playing hurling when you get a build of a hurl back anyway but, um, no in fairness to Ryan no, that, brilliant again yeah fantastic and that was a, a particularly brilliant score little bit of um, little bit of afters but sure you, you never know what's after been going on before it's not, it's not too often you see a forward being the instigator of these situations that's what all I'll say well that's true yeah you're the you're the forwards uh, union here as well so like I mean you know exactly which side you're coming down I'll give this one to you Jeez, Aidan Walsh scored three points he scored two points at the end of the first half I didn't think they were in his his uh, repertoire at all what, off both sides over the shoulder would, would his back to goal Brian? I think he got four actually in, four in total um, yeah, uh, he actually gave an exhibition in under twenty one or uh, Munster final against Limerick in in Gaelic grounds. Yeah, I remember that. Some play. Was that around the midfield so or wing forward hurt. though? Wing forward, yeah, yeah. with twelve. So he's able to score. Um, he certainly is. Look, will full forward through him throughout the year? I don't know. They're obviously trying it out here. It didn't work against Kilkenny. It worked pretty well against Wexford, you know. Um, four points from play against that Wexford defence and they're, they're obviously playing a sweeper as well like, that's no mean return considering Pat Horgan didn't score from play he looked a little bit out of sorts missed, missed simple freeze even for Pat Horgan but Aidan Walsh very impressed um, he's obviously a kit hog and, and it looks like he favours his right hand side you know most of the time you know really you know really strong from that perspective but uh, no, he was excellent yesterday showed for the ball really well he's obviously strong in the air as well and he's a handful. Um, as I said, not sure about full forward, but you know, definitely he's good enough to be on that team. Maybe that's the Cork thing, the same as Clare. They want that second option in there. Um, I probably disagree with you, Brian, a little bit on that. N- not necessarily as the out-and-out traditional full forward as we know it. Um, I was at the game in Kilkenny. He was actually quite effective in that game, but just didn't have the link-up play to, I suppose, put the points on the board. He certainly won an awful lot of possession. Um, he's a, for a big man he is very very quick um, and I think his hurling touch is better than it was a couple of years ago right? that, that, that's what I've seen um, and you know to be able to score well he's definitely going to be moving around the field a lot so you know so what do you do do you get your full back to follow him um, and now you're creating a lot of space inside for maybe the likes of Pat Horgan and, and Cadigan so I, I can certainly see how he could be used very effectively even though he himself may not be the traditional um, you know stay at the edge of the square grab the ball turn eye ball a full back and bury it not right. that type of player you're not launching one in on him Cheddar he's well, running to the wings he, is he? His, his movement is very quick and you know they've obviously rehearsed it because Puckout's strategy in Kilkenny was nearly all a revolver around him even though he was playing full forward um, so he's I, I'd say John Myler sees him as an integral part of his team not necessarily as an out and out target man that you can rain balls down although he will win them as well he won't be simple under those um, and Brian's right he had a fantastic I think he was left wing forward in, uh, in that game in Limerick um, and you know came on to the Cork team there you know recently and left it again to go back playing football he's obviously a dual player um, and didn't make the mark that I'd say he wanted to himself um, and you know obviously they have big plans for him you know those. how do those things happen well 
you know, people go away and speak to him and lay out their plans to him. And, and obviously, you know, John Myler or somebody in the car camp must have spoken to him and, and, you know, outlined to him the way he was going to be a central part of their play. And that's what it's looking like at the minute. Of course, Aidan Walsh has got to deliver on that as well. And I think so far he has, and certainly yesterday he did. And, and Brian introduced another point there and he's right he takes most of his shots off of a one shoulder and like if you're a clever defender you'll, you'll, you'll block that shoulder the whole time so as he goes along it might get a little bit more difficult for him Right okay See, I, I didn't think he had that those type of points um, you know at all in, in his locker but what about Wexford then um, Brian that was a brilliant win for them and one thing that stood out for me from looking at the I didn't see this whole game I just saw highlights that um, from number one to nine they scored 12 points of their total like it's just pure Wexford midfielders halfbacks cornerbacks Donoghue got up for a point Wexford just turned the game into a game you don't want to play yeah six and play six frees um, yeah. but yeah they do it's a horrible watch I have to say <laughs> hugely effective but you know I was actually bored watching it being honest um, Cork didn't seem overly worried if they were winning or not winning um, but Wexford obviously were full-blooded in their intent and you know they were hugely impressive in terms of their tackling and turning over ball and and, and, and essentially their distribution ball and I did make a comment that they're, they're almost hurling like um, a football team at, at times everyone drops back in a wave and they almost come up the field then in waves of you know short stick passing and that's how they're getting these runners coming from deep and they're getting the likes of their, their half backline and their midfielders on onto ball coming off the shoulder so it's you know it's it's hugely effective when it works um some of the big teams have found a way around it because wexford you know haven't really gone far in championship over the last couple of years but it was a, it was a win that davy really needed like this is year three of their of the master plan and you know you have to be seen more from wexford yeah exactly. i think a big thing yesterday though as well they got uh, Roy O'Connor back yesterday. Uh, he scored two points. His very first touch of the ball, he, he clipped the ball over the bar. He's really important to them up front, even in terms of his freeze. And obviously Lee Chin came on yesterday. You know, didn't do much, but even just getting him back on the field will be a, a positive at the moment. And they have a lot of hurlers. They probably have a lot of hurlers around the one level. That's the only thing. And I know that's probably Davies' um, insistence on using the sweeper. You know, they're trying... Um, Paddy Foley back there at the moment Sean Murphy's probably gone it's hard to tell at times is he wing back or midfield but it looks like he's in around there but Sean Murphy's an excellent hurler as well so White should have loads of talent um, there, there's no doubt about that but they probably have a lot of hurlers at, at, at the one level and a, a much needed win for them Yeah exactly Stephen Bennett is uh, flying at still Cheddar 12 points this week he's just like running up huge totals and four I think it was seven frees 165 12 in total um, he just keeps doing it we seem to be mentioning him every week based on the scoring levels but maybe being given the freeze and everything that added responsibility of being the main man in there is, is suiting him uh, look, he was always a good hurler uh, Mully is it's, I, I don't think it's that although it's strange enough that you do say that there are some players that when they're put on freeze that their their um, confidence builds but actually their um, their mental sharpness during the game stays very very high um, and and uh, some players, you know, you you need to be conscious of that with them that they're they're just mentally switched on the whole time through. And sometimes putting players, particularly forwards, obviously, on freeze like that, it works for them. Um, but you'd probably say, look, I was at the match in in uh, Port Leisha, um, and you know, you'd probably 
test the those players' uh, quality maybe a little bit later on. Um, you know, I think Lee Clear was sent off at the start of the game yesterday um, and, you know, it had, it, it had no major bearing on the result but, you know, for, for play like that and for scores like that it obviously would have had. Um, so where, I, where are Leash at actually that where you're, you were at that? Is this a... Is it, uh, is it looking bad or is no, there no, any I, positives I, I, you could take from well, it? Well, I, I thought the team worked and tried really really hard yesterday and um, that, that was all over the field every single uh, Leeds player worked really hard and there wasn't a sort of a sense that that um, you know they had just given up on it even when the score had got a little bit wide and obviously when a player was sent off against a quality like Waterford um, you know and look Waterford are, are All-Ireland finalists only a couple of years ago they're a team that's right in the mix here and I, I said it last week I'm just surprised that everybody seems to be writing them off about serious contenders here um, but just back to your point um, you know Leeds were missing they're missing a couple of sort of key players and, and all of the teams at that level when you, once you miss two or three players or three or four players like that particularly the, the physical players in your team it has a major impact on your team and look you could say that about Carla you take two or three players out of the current Carla team and their performance might be very very different and Brian yeah. will probably say the same about Offaly and yeah look at Offaly sure Brian was saying that last week about Offaly missing lads yeah it, it can make a big big difference um, and particularly to say because you're, you're, that's the real issue here and this is the point I was alluding to earlier on about Carla the problem about all of these counties is that the strength and depth once you're missing three or four players the the the, the knock that you take is huge where the likes of Galway could bring in a second team yesterday or Clay or, or Cork or any of these counties could put out a second team that could probably challenge for an All-Ireland Championship in some given year I've often said this that the North Tipperary Championship if they were a county on their own would probably challenge for an All-Ireland Championship at some some stage in, in a period of 20 or 30 years because of the depth of quality that's in the area um, so so I think the real league starts for Leeds now obviously yeah, um, you yeah. know beat Offaly beat Carlo um, and look they are big challenges um, and but they're the very same challenge for Offaly and for Carlo win those two matches and you could very well be in a quarter final although the win or the draw for Carlo yesterday puts them into the driving seat Yeah exactly any more positives from Offaly this week see Donald Burke have him and Ushin O'Rourke six points from play and 2-3 from play between the two of them in the full forward line so I think there's only over a thousand supporters in O'Connor Park yesterday Brian any, any word on whether this was an improved performance from Offaly or not? Yeah, from, by all accounts, it was it was an improvement, and you know, you know, but still, just not enough. Like twelve points, essentially. You know, you'd be expecting that by half time. Um, it's ju- it's just not good enough. We've scored nineteen points. We're on a scoring difference of minus forty. I think we've used forty five different players in Kevin Martin's time um, as manager throughout the league. Um, that's in eight games, so you can see the turnover of players. We had a couple of more experienced players back yesterday, particularly like the Colin Egan in the half hour line. So he he added much needed experience and strength. Um, big strong man in fairness to him, you know. And they're hoping that they'll have a good few of their players back for the Leash game. And uh, you know, Cheddar has alluded to this. This is the big one in two weeks' time. But for the likes of Offaly Leash, it has been the big one for the last three or four years. The way the league has been set up and. Um, if, you know, it's whoever kind of they, they looked at it. You know, there was awfully leash and Antrim the last couple of years. Now Carlow have come in to replace them and probably passed past the all the counties out at the moment in the short term. But there's a little mini league there going on between the the kind of the top three teams in one B and the bottom three teams, and they're essentially fighting for that fourth uh, quarter final place and obviously avoiding that relegation playoff. Um, you know, so awfully. Yeah, we badly need some more some more of our experienced players back. You need like the Shane Dooley back, Joe Bergen, 
Uh, Oshin Kelly was back playing yesterday. That was welcomed. You know, Keelan Kiley, Ben Keneally's out with an appendix. So look, there's lots of good hurlers still there to come in, but we need them back and we need them back as soon as possible. Okay, Colin Galvin, lads, got three points from midfield. Set up Podge Collins from the for his goal. He got man of the match on TG Cahar yesterday. He was absolutely brilliant. He is another nomination. Finally, we have Dermot Burns, lads. He got four points. I think 165, two frees and one from play. This lad's just com- turned into a, a, a revelation at wing back. And suddenly, like every important team, like last year, I would have been like, right, well, I wouldn't have known much about Burns or Tom Morrissey and Declan Hannan, I'd known as a wing forward. Now he's a, a bloody holding monster in the air at centre back. The two wing backs are monsters. Jeez, Tom Morrissey has a chest on him there, I saw, but maybe it's the tight fitting jersey. I think just looks like a machine. Like Limerick have... He's ripped, isn't he, Brian? He's absolutely ripped, yeah. Nice fella, actually, uh, Tom, and he's making the most of it, fair to him. So uh, no, he's, ha- he's after having some season and, and starting this season, obviously. They have some size and physicality where it's needed because we kind of know them as these brilliant uh, stick hurlers and they play such a lovely style. But, like, I mean, you don't want to take them on physically either with that half back line and then you've Tom Morrissey and Grode Hegarty who are big monstrous men as well in the half forward line they can mix it up whatever way you want they can but you know the hilarious thing was after the Rundell Ireland last year obviously there was all the photographs in the, in the dressing room after but the mountain with their tops off making sure hey look six packs here <laughs> Keen Lynch was going around and they didn't breathe for about an hour they had packed me showing yeah. absolutely ripped to shreds oh he's um, ripped too yeah the, these boys know they they, they know it. Um, so obviously, Joe O'Connor's doing some job with them um, down there in terms of the, the strength and conditioning. So I know these boys um, they're in some shape. They're in peak physical order at the moment, but that they're real right age as well. You know, you look at them; they're all just early twenties. They've come through a really good underage structure that got all the basics right, and they've just been building on it year upon year. Because I tell you. We all, well, I know I did. I started out with a six-pack when I was 18, but with the strength and conditioning, the lack thereof, you know, we, you know, we were going chasing, putting on weight and putting on the wrong way. So uh, when you have a six-pack, it's easier to hold on to it and go looking for it. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I'm half trying to rediscover mine at the moment and it's not easy. Um, what do you think? Sheedy, <laughs> Sheedy um, commented even on their physicality and their, their, what was the strength and addition lad's name, Brian, that you just mentioned there? Joe, Joe O'Connor. Joe O'Connor. And, uh, fit family. Yeah. Oh, is that who that is? Yeah, so O'Connor, he's yeah. with them, Cheddar. Like, I mean, and Sheedy even paid comment and said that there's a lot in reserve from last year. And I was thinking, like, just September to December is a long time for the reserve to kick in so Limerick have been keeping ticking over you don't keep that reserve the minute you stop in the gym you have three weeks and you're nearly back to square one so like I mean Limerick have clearly been keeping their strength and conditioning programme ticking over even during all the all the winter I, I look uh, all the teams will be doing that now uh, Oli I, yeah. would, I would be surprised if they weren't um, you know this is year round job now in terms of your conditioning um, and it's very um, science based in terms of your downtime and your 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 you know in terms of the the the, the whole annual program and that. Um, I was, I was just smiling when Brian was saying that I actually noted that myself there was an awful lot of lads mad to get into the photograph there in Limerick um, <laughs> This um, is the new world now Cheddar we just have to get used to this I know, well, I know. <laughs> look, look it's, it's not brilliant to see it's not brilliant to be able to look there has been some serious strength and conditioning people that have gone through the GAA 
and have gone over to some serious soccer clubs over in the UK and have, have said that the GA players are probably fitter than than most of the Premiership soccer players are. And, you yeah. know, these are professional people. They wouldn't make those sort of comments, you know, foolishly. Um, I think the other thing about the Limerick half-back line and particularly Dermot Burns, I mean, we spoke up Dermot Burns an awful lot last year before Limerick were anywhere. I remember being at the league quarterfinal in Turles against Tip. And I suppose the one thing that, that sort of killed him that time was he 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 just lost too many much uh, possession foolishly by belting it and, and you know a lot of it was going He was going shooting too much that. wasn't he? Yeah. So now is he using it better side. now? He's using it better but the thing I like about him is that they're 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 physical but the thing that sets them apart is their ability to go front foot really quickly in possession and to break out the open field and to be able to drill the ball is probably better than any other half back line and to have that yeah. size and physicality as well so look if you want to lamp high balls down and have them and that's why I think maybe that match in Cusick Park if both teams set up with their with their full teams and that uh, could be quite interesting and it could be you know it could be a fair all arm wrestle I think that just to finish up here Brian quickly is in the football usually uh, teams copy the All-Ireland champions so like whatever way they were playing the year before that kind of works and we know Limerick system now we talked about it all last year you have Galan stays on the edge of the box you have uh, Mulcahy and you have Flanagan who buzz around in front of them and the half back the half forward line drops back to help and that the opposition's half back line don't know whether to follow them or whether to to stay in their positions because one way or another there's brilliant ball going into the three to the two lads buzzing around and and they have the option like we're talking about maybe that's Cork and Clare looking for that extra option because Galan's great in the air so they can go to the wings to Flanagan and to Mulcahy or else they can go along to Galan on the edge of the square like I mean would Jesus this is a question for another day because we're trying to wrap it up is like the likes of Cork and Clare looking for that extra option like Limerick have it yeah, and that's look. I think that's just more traditional style of hurling, and I think Kilkenny did that down through the years. Well, probably went a little bit more route one than play, playing low ball in, but this whole idea the half forward line tracking back. I think that's the key to what what to do. The likes of Tom Barcy come so deep, um, you know. I I think that's that's crucial, and you know I I like that kind of setup. There's no need to go all out negative, uh, you know, by playing a sweeper. And I think if you can clog up the middle third enough with your half forward line in particular. In your, in your midfield dropping back when needs be I think that's key but obviously you have to have huge athletes to be able to do that get up and down the field consistently and still contribute to the scoring charts but uh, they seem to be able to do that at the moment um, you know Limerick are in a real good place at the moment and what I like about it is that it, uh, you said it earlier in the show there's no big furore about this they're just getting on with their business they're not getting carried away Tip did something similar in 2016 Um uh, sorry, the one dollar Ireland think it was 2016 and then into 17. I could have the years mixed up there, but the year after they blew everyone away in the league. And everyone yeah. was talking about Tips panel and how strong they were, and there was no one going to come within an arse's roar them. And it just petered out as the championship went on because it did hit the heights too too quickly. Whereas Limerick just seemed to be, they're just doing enough, but impressively so. So yeah, no, they're they're in a real good place. All right, OK, so it's between Dermot Burns and Colm Galvin here for performance of the weekend. Do you want to vote there, Cheddar? I'm, I will, I'm, I'm uh, Wooly, yeah. I, um, but I won't be tossing up. Um, I'm going to give it to somebody completely different, Wooly, and I'm going to go against you here. I think Marty Cavanagh deserves a huge amount of credit True. for dragging his county um, against massive odds um, in his own field over the line yesterday. He was t- t- took a free to level the game, and it wasn't an easy one. It was out on the side. It was a pressure uh, free in front of his own supporters, and um, I'm going to look at the underdog counties here and I'm going to vote Mary Kevin he deserves it for yesterday OK well listen here he wasn't even on my list here I thought we talked about Carlo enough at the start I like to get every team in here but I'll go Marty Kevin as well Brian will you go three in a row 
Yeah, I better not go against you. <laughs> <laughs> All no, right. no, 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 to be fair, I have to agree with Cheddar on that one. So I suppose we have to acknowledge it's very easy to get caught up in, in the Division 1A in particular, but we have to acknowledge that um, result by yesterday. So, no, Julie, Julie deserves it. Okay, brilliant stuff, Marty. We'll have a Paddy Power pair of lucky pants in the post to you. Um, could be a while knowing how slow I am to get around to things like this. Right, that's always time for me back on. Bully. <laughs> what? I'm still waiting. Oh, you're still, you're still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good with this admin stuff when the show ends, lads. That's that, that's my problem. Okay, right. We'll be back. On, we'll be back on Thursday um, again. We'll talk to you then. Good luck. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So it opened up. We're running the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. The GA Hour is sponsored by Paddy Power. For exclusive content from their GA ambassadors and other high-profile contributors, check out news.paddypower.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.